on the field and inside the clubhouse. This is Brewers Extra Innings, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Radio City. Here's Matt Foley. Solid win for the Brewers this afternoon in Cincinnati, winning 6-3 as they sweep through a series where they never trail in the entire series, and that is certainly a way to wrap up the third consecutive three-city road trip. And when you put the records together of the three three-city road trips... They don't even finish below 500. I mean, it's pretty uh, pretty remarkable what they are able to do. For all the consternation of the last month and a half at some moments of what this team has done, when you really take a step back and look at some of the overall numbers, it's fairly impressive what they've been able to do to survive a really, really, really tough part of the schedule. And now things, uh, at least in terms of home games versus road games, things ease up a little bit here moving forward in terms of opponents. You can certainly uh, argue that at times it'll get tougher, but we'll get into that as we continue on through uh, the final two-thirds or so of the season. Welcome into Brewers Extra Innings here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. Have you for the next hour and ten minutes. We'll t- we're taking you till 5.30 this evening. If you want to join the program, you can do so multiple ways to get connected. You can call or you can text into the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. That phone number, 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. You can also tweet at me if you'd like, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air as the Brewers come up with a solid 6-3 win today over Cincinnati. Uh, Adrian Hauser, it didn't feel like he had his best stuff today. Uh, he threw a lot of balls of those 103 pitches, 58 of them are strikes. He would have liked a few more of those to be strikes, but he was able to work his way kind of in and out of trouble. Obviously, getting some ground balls helped as well. He was able to uh, induce one double play, but uh, Hauser does the job, and he gets the win. You're not going to complain about a guy giving up three runs in six innings of work. Bullpen was uh, pretty solid today. They switch it back. The last time uh, that we saw Boxberger and Williams pitching together, it was Williams in the eighth and Boxberger in the ninth. Today it goes back to the more uh, conventional way of doing things when Hayter is not available with Boxberger in the eighth and uh, Williams there uh, in the ninth inning. Uh, as far as where the Brewers sit right now, combine this with a Cardinals loss in Boston. The standings right now in the NL Central, both the Cardinals and the Brewers are 38 and 30. They have identical records uh, going into a four-game series between these two teams. That's going to begin tomorrow at American Family Field. So this is going to be a really fun next four days between these two teams. If either team can find a way to win the series, they'll finish the series in first place. Or as many four-game series go, if they end up splitting, the uh, Cardinals will exit uh, Milwaukee with the Brewers and Cardinals still sitting uh, tied atop the division uh, there in the NL Central. But funny how things uh, always work out like this. The Cardinals had kind of extended that lead out a little bit uh, over the Brewers. Clearly the Brewers had had uh, not not a substantial, but uh, certainly a, a lead a notable lead against the Cardinals for much of the first uh, couple months uh, of the season. And uh, here we are going into a game on June 20th, and it's going to be two teams matched up against each other with the exact same record and some pretty good pitching matchups over the next few days as well. And We'll get into that coming up uh, later on in the program. Before I go any further, I do want to say a very happy Father's Day to, uh, to all the dads out there, to all uh, the men who um, serve in father roles, to all the women, mothers out there who have to do many of the things 
things that uh, maybe fathers do at time, Father's Day, whatever definition you want to put to it, a very happy uh, Father's Day to, uh, to all you out there. I used to say that before I was a dad. This is my uh, third Father's Day as a dad, and it's, uh, it's cool. I like it. I got to sleep in a little bit this morning. My daughter was very, 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 very excited to watch me open up a, a couple presents. So Father's Day is always a really special day and uh, for my dad. Uh, I certainly appreciate him. Would not be doing what I am doing today uh, without my dad and just uh, going to ball games, learning how to score a game, things like that uh, certainly made a huge impact. So uh, Father's Day, it's always a special day when you work in sports, when you work around baseball, it seems to be uh, that much more so. And you love the way that uh, the, the different players uh, honored their fathers. And um, yeah, just, just a cool day. Really cool day uh, in baseball. I think both Father's Day and Mother's Day, Major League Baseball does a really, really good job of, uh, of honoring uh, parents and people who hold p- parental roles uh, during these two days over the course of the year. So happy Father's Day to, uh, to everybody that uh, it applies to here uh, today. As it's, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a cool day. Again, if you want to join us, 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and text line. You can tweet at me if you'd like, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Let's start with a text message from our guy, Doug. I had the day off from the uh, from the show yesterday. My uh, my my aforementioned daughter had a uh, dance recital yesterday, so I took the day off. In my seven years of hosting this show, it was only the second time that I had ever uh, missed a show, but missed it yesterday for uh, a dance recital. So I did not get my daily uh, text message from Doug yesterday. I get it today. Uh, happy Father's Day. Milner is looking like Josh Hader in disguise. Are you sure that's not him with a haircut? Impressive and Taylor is uh, impersonating Kane after all this, tied for first. Somebody is looking over them, taking uh, take advantage of uh, it starting tomorrow. Pretty big series. Yeah, so t- Tyrone Taylor is your everyday center fielder now. Or if, uh, you know, we saw yesterday uh, where um, where he played a corner outfield spot. And we'll see what the, you know, I, I think the, I don't know if the way the roster is constructed at this very moment when it comes to outfielders is the way it's going to uh, stay. I mean, obviously the guy who's being given the first opportunity here is Jonathan Davis, and he played in center field yesterday. He's a guy who's been around a little bit, and uh, he's going to probably be given every opportunity. But Tyron Taylor's officially an everyday guy now, and he really was an everyday guy before uh, the Lorenzo Cain, whatever you want to call it, and being DFA'd. We don't know if it's technically a retirement yet. We don't know officially what it's going to be, but what it does do is – the way things had essentially already been working where Tyrone Taylor had taken over as an everyday guy, well, that's now officially a thing. Tyrone Taylor is an everyday outfielder for this team, whether it's in center field or whether it's in a uh, it's in a corner outfield spot. And we'll see what he is able to do with it. He made a really nice catch today. And we've talked about it. He's not um, – you. there is a drop-off. There is a drop-off in defensive ability going from a Lorenzo Cain to a Tyrone Taylor. How much drop-off is there going to be? And that's like that's not even me taking a shot at Tyrone Taylor. Taylor Taylor's a very, very good uh, defensive outfielder. He's not a gold glove caliber defensive outfielder. So that's going to be one of the things that we are going to be watching, uh, certainly moving forward if there is any, uh, any hit when it comes to uh, the way the outfield defense goes. But, you know, things pick up for each other, right? Like, yeah. You got Hunter Renfro there in right field, who has just one of the best arms of any outfielder in all of Major League Baseball. So really, when you look at outfield defense, if you look at it kind of from an entire grouping, I mean, you think about Tyrone Taylor is a very good 
outfielder, and he made a nice play today. Andrew McCutcheon made that play today coming in from left, or he was running and he dove and he made the catch. He laid on the ground for a moment. That was a really tough catch. We talk about Hunter Renfro and his ability to uh, to throw guys out. So outfield defense uh, is still a plus for this team. Whether you have Lorenzo Cain or don't have Lorenzo Cain, it absolutely still is a plus for this team, and uh, that's something to be uh, watching again uh, going forward. And I'm curious, uh, Right now, again, Jonathan Davis is on the roster. He had a, a nice debut yesterday. Uh, he's not a rookie. He's, you know, he's a guy who's bounced around and has some big league time throughout his career, but we've also talked about it a lot. Going to the trade deadline, if you look at this roster and want to find a place to add a bat, I still think it's in the outfield. Uh, I am more comfortable with pretty much I'm very comfortable with who they have at their infield positions. I'm pretty. If there was one person that maybe my comfort level is, you know, where you say, okay, maybe you can improve a little bit, probably be at first base. But I have no problem with what Rowdy Telez is doing. If Rowdy Telez is the everyday first baseman for the rest of the season, I'm totally comfortable with that. I'm good with Colton Wong at second. I'm good with Willie Adamas at shortstop. I'm good with Luis Urias at third. I guess you can make the argument that if you bring in a third baseman, you can kind of revert Urias back to what he was doing last year where he starts in a whole bunch of uh, different places. But if there is a spot where you can add that big middle-of-the-order run-producing bat, which in many ways it still feels like this team is missing, I still think it's an outfield spot. And how that would all work out and how the playing time would play out after that, I, I don't know that answer for sure. But that is the one area where I feel like, yeah, they could probably uh, still potentially uh, do something. And, and Doug mentions it's going into this uh, series it's the next four days. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Corbin Burns, Aaron Ashby, Eric Lauer, and Jason Alexander are scheduled one through four in the series. Uh, and for uh, St. Louis, they'll go Miles Michaelis, Jack Flaherty, Adam Wainwright, and Dakota Hudson. So it's, it's essentially the best pitchers that each team has available at the moment. Um, I mean, outside of Adrian Hauser for the Brewers, but you're very comfortable with what those other guys are doing right now uh, for this team, and it's just going to be a really, really fun series, I think, and, and I would expect that there's going to be some tight games over these uh, next four days at American Family Field. Again, if you want to join us, you can do so, 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620, the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Vinny Martino from Valley Sports Wisconsin. He is going to join us in just a moment or so as the Brewers come up with the win and the series sweep of Cincinnati 6-3 the final day. We're back with more in just a moment. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. The one-two pitch. Fly ball, shallow left center. This is going to be trouble. Racing in is McCutcheon. Did he make the catch? He did! Oh, what a play by Andrew McCutcheon. Racing in from left into shallow left center. He went into a slide, and somehow he came up with that catch. Heck of a catch by Andrew McCutcheon. Good defense today by the Brewers. That catch, the Tyrone Taylor catch, the uh, the Willie Adamas over-the-shoulder catch. I'm probably forgetting about some other good defensive plays uh, that were made, but that was a nice defensive play for sure for the Brewers today. Let's bring in uh, Vinny Rotino. Welcome back in. It's Brewers Extra Innings here on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, or tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air. And 
Vinny, just where this team was at going into this series and now where they're at, you know, coming out of it. Again, Cincinnati's not a very good team, but they've certainly shown the ability to uh, win some games over the last six weeks or so. It, it feels like this is a big moment for this team to uh, finish off the, the third three-city road trip with a series sweep. Uh, yeah, I mean, now all of a sudden they're tied for first place again. I mean, you and I were ready to jump ship, I think, move cities, you know, find a different team to cover at one point because, <laughs> I mean, this like really, really hard to watch the baseball that they were playing. I mean, they came into the series losers of 12 out of 15 games, and all of a sudden they come in and, and they sweep the Reds, which is not easy to do against any team. Any team in the major leagues, never easy to sweep. So they did a great job of taking it one day at a time and then finishing off the sweep today so obviously uh that that is a big big series sweep and now they're poised to i mean this is a rough stretch here coming up next nine games against playoff caliber teams in the cardinals the toronto blue jays and the tampa bay race so um it's, it was really important to get this last one today Sometimes I feel like, and I don't say this as we as people talking about it, but just like we as baseball fans, we get in our way so often when we're talking about games and breaking things down and we want to talk about stringing hits together and when guys are being used and how the lineup needs to be constructed, yada, yada, yada. Bottom line, Vinny, when your home run hitters are hitting home runs, you're going to win games. And in this series, we saw Hunter Renfro hit home runs. We saw Willie Adamas hit home runs. When the guys that you count on to hit home runs are hitting home runs, you win baseball games. Uh, without a doubt, Matt. I mean, that's a great point. I mean, you got to have the guys that you're paying to hit and to drive in runs and to produce. You got to have them hitting. I mean, I did a, I did something. I did a little breakdown on the pregame show today. Adamas's impact, when he – when the team wins, Willie Damas has a 952 OPS. When the team loses, Willie Damas has a 486 OPS, and he's hitting 139 in losses. I mean, every team is going to have that discrepancy as their sluggers when they're hitting, when they're slugging. Obviously, they're gonna they're gonna have a W behind that game typically, right? Because that means they're scoring runs. So I get that, but that discrepancy is quite large. So same thing with Hunter Renfro, a 923 OPS coming into today. When they win, in only a 604 OPS, hitting 200 when they lose. So um, those two guys in particular are very important to this offense, as well as Rowdy Telez. And to your point, yeah, I mean, you need the, those three in particular to, to really hit and to drive in runs, and they did that this series. Yeah, it's um, it, it's just the way it's going to be, and it's it's always nice when you get that win where you score a bunch of runs without a home run and things like that happen, but. The way this team is built, those guys have to hit home runs. If this team wants to get where they want to get to, and Vinny, that's kind of a scary thing because, and look, what we're saying about the Brewers is not exclusive to the Brewers. There's a lot of teams that yeah. could be having this exact same discussion, just insert a couple different names in there. But what's always worrisome about that is if your home run hitters do go cold as you go into the postseason, all of a sudden you feel really bad about the way your season ends. Well, that's what happened last year, right? So, I mean, Rowdy yeah. Telez, the one playoff game they did win, Rowdy Telez hit a two-run homer against uh, uh, Charlie Morton. So, I mean, it's – but, yes, this is a problem pretty much. We, I'll put air quotes around the word problem for most teams, right, because pitching is really, really good nowadays. And I was talking to a good friend 
uh, Taylor Green. He's a scout with the Brewers. He's like, hitting is harder now more than ever, right? Because every single team, it used to be just a handful of the most innovative teams, the most advanced teams in terms of, of the data and the analytics and the pitching labs would, would really exploit other hitters' weaknesses. Now it's all 30 teams. It doesn't matter who you are. Everyone's got a lab. Everyone's got a really robust, advanced scouting team uh, with data and analytics to go with it. You, you have to throw this guy seven sliders in a row to get him out. Like that is real for every single team. And so now hitting is becoming harder now more than ever. So every team is having this discussion that we're having, except maybe the Dodgers, because that's probably one of the better lineups uh, assembled um, in the last couple of decades, probably. So uh, yeah, you got to have your big boppers hitting. They got to be hot in order to win. The Brewers have an advantage, however, because their pitching staff has been able to carry them despite the hitting woes at times. So need that at the end of the day, just need that to stay consistent. And Adrian Hauser was pretty good at, uh, at doing that today. Yeah, to that point, and I want to bring up a specific at bat in the ninth inning when Max Schrock came to the plate. He's facing off against Devin Williams. He's obviously sitting changeup, and we know that Williams' changeup is one of the hardest pitches in all of baseball to hit. So he's sitting on changeup. He has made the decision, I'm going to give my best effort against this pitch, and then what happens? He never even sees the darn thing. No, exactly. That's why hitting is so is so hard. And and look, Devin Williams, that's a whole nother animal in and of itself because he is some kind of locked in right now. My goodness, wow. I mean, nine pitches, nine strikes, um, you know, five strikes with the fastball. He couldn't throw a strike early on in the season. We didn't know yeah. if he was going to get sent down to triple. I mean, I don't think he was ever going to get sent down to triple A, but maybe a phantom DL type of thing just because he was struggling so bad of getting guys out. You saw that he was probably tipping his pitches. His changeup was kind of hanging up in the air now at times. And so now all of a sudden he comes in, he's starting to throw his fastball more. He's more crisp with his fastball command. That sets up the changeup. The changeup now has more, not only more depth and more action and more quality to it, but now he's commanding that pitch as well. So he is locked in. And, yeah, I mean, uh, good luck, Max Schrock, getting three fastballs. No chance against Devin Williams today. Let's grab a phone call real quick. We've got Andrew in Janesville. Hey, Andrew, thanks for holding. You're on WTMJ. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. I guess I don't have a real strong opinion on this topic one way or the other, and maybe it's not that big of a deal, but I'm just curious on your thoughts on Christian Yelich uh, at the leadoff spot. I thought it was uh, is that just a, a way to try to get him back to where he was, or what's what's the logic behind that? Yeah, appreciate the phone call. I think the first thing was it was a change of pace for him. Maybe it takes a little bit of pressure off of him uh, just because he wasn't producing in the middle of the order. It also does take advantage of the one thing that he does continue to do well, even through most of his struggles, and that's get on base. And then since moving into the leadoff spot, what has he done? He's hit 298 with a 779 OPS. Like those numbers, and his on base percentage is at 353. Vinny, the, those numbers aren't like knock you over numbers, but those numbers are clearly better than what he was doing before, and they also fit better for a leadoff hitter than they do hitting anywhere else in the lineup other than like eight or nine. Yeah, Christian Yelich is a guy that you can see it. The way he plays, the way he goes about his business, he like he puts a lot of pressure on himself to produce, to drive in runs, and that's probably part of the problem with why he isn't producing. But because there's just too much pressure on himself, he's getting pressure outside 
and then all of a sudden he's putting pressure on himself to do to to produce and to really you know kind of lead this team as we saw him do in 18 and 19 and now all of a sudden he's struggled the last couple of years and just to, let's change it up put him in the leadoff spot he's getting on base uh, he's getting his hits. He's staying middle of the other way approach, not hitting as many extra base hits or home runs. Um, so with that said, like he, he's, he's actually pretty, he's actually pretty good at the leadoff spot. So um, just keep him there in my opinion and, and see how it all, I mean, he can he runs, he runs well, he runs the base as well. So there's a lot of attributes to like about hitting in the leadoff spot. So I, I would definitely keep him there. Now that Lorenzo Cain's gone, he's the best base runner on the team, right? Uh, yeah, I mean him yeah. or or Jace Peterson perhaps, but yeah, definitely, okay. definitely Christian Yelich does a great job. I mean, he, who goes who goes first to third or first to home better than Christian Yelich in the game? Not many people. It's it's amazing because you think of a you think of a diamond and you think of the linear path from one base to the next base and. Uh, okay, what, how can anybody do that differently? Like, like common sense would say, okay, you're just you're just running in a few straight lines. But watch Christian Yelich run the bases. It is a yeah. thing of beauty. He does it differently than others. Such a long strider, and the rhythm of his strides when he touches the bases. There's never an interruption in his stride. Remember when Hunter Renfro got thrown out on that weird play in New York against the Mets? He had a, and I know that. Um, Jason Lane held him up or didn't tell him to go right away, but there was some choppiness to his his steps around the bag. A great base runner will never have that. They will have the right foot hit the base every single time, and there is no slowdown in the sprint, in the run. So that's what Christian Yelich does better than anybody, and he cuts the bases so well, and the angles he takes around the bases, uh, he does that so well. So that's what makes him a great base runner. 6-3, the Brewers win in Cincinnati. Again, if you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting the Accident Mortgage Talk at text line 855-616-1620 or tweet at me at Matt Pauley on air. We've got more in just a moment. I'm Matt Pauley. That's Vinny Rotino back after this on WTMJ. It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Pauley on WTMJ. High fly ball, Caratini's going to go deep into left field and have Pham turn around and watch it fly. See you later. Home run, Victor Caratini. And the Brewers are ahead 3-0 here in the fourth. Nice offensive day for Caratini. Goes two for two, hits the home run. His fifth home run of the year. He continues to swing a hot bat. Brewers get the 6-3 win in Cincinnati. Welcome back into the program along with Vinny Rotino. I'm Matt Pauley. If you want to join us, 855-616-1620. The Accident Mortgage Talk and Tax Line. You can also tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air. We'll grab another phone call. We've got Perry in Milwaukee. Hey, Perry, thanks for calling. You're on WTMJ. Hey, how's it going? Good. Hey, I just had a question. That catcher that they had at the beginning of the year that got busted for doing those banned substances or whatever, he got suspended for 70 games. I think there's going to you know, 70 is coming up in a couple of days. You put him in a tough spot. You know, they traded a couple of draft picks. They didn't want to get to get Victor. Victor's been doing a great job. So what are they going to do with this guy when he comes back in a couple of days? Yeah, Perry, appreciate it. So the, the suspension's 80 games uh, for the uh, for the PED. And for people who don't know the backstory on it, what he has said, and it's a very believable story, he and his wife were trying to get pregnant. Uh, I believe they were in the Dominican Republic. Uh, they took a supplement uh, that's used for pregnancy. Uh, it came back as something on the banned substance list, and that's why he gets knocked out again. It's a very, very believable story. I think everybody in the organization believes that's what happens, and it's a really disappointing thing 
Vinny, this is a guy who is going to be counted on this year to be the backup catcher. Uh, and the one thing that Perry didn't mention, but the, I think for me the biggest thing in this is, yeah, he's eligible to come back and play the final, second half of the season, but he's not eligible for the postseason. So you're not going to move on from Victor Caratini because Victor Caratini is eligible for the postseason. So clearly the catching tandem moving forward uh, is going to be Narvaez and Caratini. Uh, now, can, can Severino come back and do something? He's been working at first base a little bit as he's on what is technically a rehab assignment as he gets ready uh, to return. Uh, does he fit on the roster knowing that you're not going to be able to use him in the postseason? It's, um, it's a tough spot. It's a really tough spot that the Brewers are in with uh, a guy who's got a pretty solid bat. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I mean, Victor Caratini at this point has an 843 OPS. Victor Caratini at this point has a lot of trust of this pitching staff. So like you said, Matt, there's no possible way that they're going to kind of limit his playing time. They're going to have the same exact role for Victor Caratini and the same exact role for Omar Narvaez. Um <clears throat> Now, what you could do is carry a third catcher or a pinch hitter or or a DH in Pedro Severino and and see if he can hit some home runs, which he is very capable of doing from the right side. Um, and so, um, I'm not. I, I don't know. Be, the fact that he cannot play on the roster in the playoffs is a big reason why you you probably have to get creative to do something with this guy. Maybe move him. Maybe get something in a trade for him. I'm not sure. It would be nice to have him as depth. Uh, as much as I like Alex Jackson, if there's something to happen, uh, knock on wood for for our, um, you know one of the two main catchers, either Omar Narvaez or Victor Caratini. Like, it'd be nice to have Pedro Severino to step in and and catch a bulk of majority of the games and step in for one of those guys. But um, I, I'm not real sure what they're going to do with him when he comes back. In a perfect world, I think. A non, if there is catcher's injuries, which there will be, a non-contending team, if they have one of their catchers suffer an injury and they're not overly comfortable with anything they have at AAA, maybe you can spin him off in a trade and get something back to kind of make up for what you lost when you acquired Victor Caratini. Because, Vinny, they, they didn't want to trade away the guys that they did when they got Caratini, but they were in a spot where they had no other option. It was actually a brilliant move, and by by Stearns and company to to and Matt Arnold to do so because what a tremendous asset Victor Caratini has been in this tight spot of losing Pedro Severino to that suspension. Now, I will say that Pedro Severino, um, you know, it, he it'd be nice if he comes back perhaps and and maybe pops a few home runs in, a, in you know for a few games and shows that the changes that he's made to the framing numbers because he. Was was a terrible framer until the Brewers got him. They have a knack for changing that and helping guys out. So it would be nice if he kind of displays that at the major league level, and all of a sudden they can move him, like you said, get creative and, and get, who knows, you know, some, maybe a reliever, you know, trade him for, for a reliever. He's not expensive. He's very cheap option for a different team. So, But I think teams will need to see that from him, that these changes to his performance are real. With the, with the framing. So maybe that's what, what happens. 
Yeah. Uh, a quick text message from 414 said, uh, can you explain what it means with Lorenzo Cain being designated for assignment? Is that like cutting him from the team? So basically what it means is when you're DFA'd is you're taken off the 40-man roster. And for some, that means you, the, the assignment is going to be they're going to ask you to go to AAA. And depending on who you are and what your service time is and what your contract is, sometimes you accept the assignment, sometimes you don't accept the assignment, sometimes you have to accept the assignment to continue to get paid. Sometimes you don't. Like we could, we could really go down some rabbit holes on what everything means. But essentially, what happens here is by being DFA'd, they're taking Kane off of the 40-man roster, and then there's a certain time period where you either have to uh, move him to another team or just move on from him. They're, they're not going to try to trade him. Like they're, they're going to let him go off on his own and uh, be respectful of him and who he is as a baseball player. And then if he wants to continue his career, they'll let him control that moving forward. But that's the that's the basic idea of what it means to be DFA'd. Yeah, basically, there's two types of players. This is as simple as it gets. There's major league players, and then there's minor league players. If you are on a major league roster, you can be you can you can be in the minor leagues, but still be considered a major league player. That's being on the forty man, so you can get brought up, up and down. This year, now they changed the rules. You can be brought up and down five different times. But if you're a minor league player, you have to become a major league player and vice versa. The Brewers didn't want Lorenzo Cain anymore, so they wanted to t basically take him off the roster. Now, he won't go to the minor leagues. I mean, he's done. He's done playing, most likely. So unless another team really, really, really wants him, I, I think that's a way that he could be stay in the major leagues. But I think at this point, like you said, you explained it well, Matt, he's, he's probably going to be done at this point. The Brewers are just going to let him go. 6-3, Brewers get the win in Cincinnati. Stick with us. We'll continue on with the program in just a moment. This is Brewers Extra Innings. It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Falling. 1-1. Votto, a high fly ball to right field. Fairly deep, but playable for Renfro. Two steps in front of the warning track. He's there to make the catch. And the inning is over. A much-needed 1-2-3 inning for Adrian Hauser. 6-3. The Brewers get the win in Cincinnati. Brewers' extra innings does continue on. We're about 10 minutes out from hearing the post-game comments of manager Craig Council. We're about 20 minutes out from going back through the game with the highlights. Still have time for you to join us. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also tweet at us at Matt Pauley on air. At Brew Crew Scott uh, tweets in, says, with the Brewers having so many young top outfield prospects, why are they not looking to one of the younger guys? I think... With when you're talking about top level prospects, and they've got some, they've got some big time outfield prospects that are at Double A. And the old, um, the old adage is at Double A, you're an injury away from being there. Uh, but you, you know, Joey Weimer is the guy that most that gets talked about the most. He's probably the most major league uh, ready at the moment. Um, other top prospects, uh, outfield prospects in the organization. Some guys are closer than others. Uh, you know, the, the top prospect in the organization is South Freelick. Uh, you got Garrett Mitchell, another guy, another outfielder um, who could could be here at some point in the next year plus. You're not going to bring the guys up and have them be the fourth outfielder generally. That's not always, but the the more high level of a prospect somebody is, 
the more you want to make sure that they're getting the opportunity to play on an almost everyday basis, whether that's at double A, triple A, or in the big leagues, because you don't want to stunt development. This is that weird period of time where maybe they can help at the major league level, but part of the job of the organization is to make sure that they continue to develop in the way that they need to. So playing every day is important. Now, if there's an injury, if if tomorrow, if today um, Hunter Renfro and Tyrone Taylor would have collided with each other on that play where they almost did, and they're running full speed at each other, and they both go down, and they're both headed to the injured list, well, then there's a really good chance at that point that one of these young top-level prospects ends up uh, in the big leagues because there's going to be essentially an everyday job for them. But you're not when, – when Lorenzo Cain retires – and the fourth outfielder job is open, that's not really what you bring one of those guys up for. You've got a guy in Jonathan Davis who's been around, has been in the big leagues, can, can fill that role. You know, he, he made his major league debut in, uh, with Toronto in 2018. Going into yesterday, he had played in 134 major league games. So, I mean, this is a guy who understands what it takes to be a big leaguer. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We will uh, continue on uh, after the news, which begins in two minutes here on WTMJ. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. India at third, Drury at second, Pham at first. He represents the tying run. One-two pitch, swing and a miss. He got him with a curveball, biting down and away from the left-handed hitter. Hobie Milner does it again. 6-3, Brewers get the win in Cincinnati. They complete the series sweep. Welcome back in. It's Brewers Extra Innings here on WTMJ. We were talking about uh, prospect outfielders just a few moments ago. Got a text message from the 262 saying, what happened to uh, Corey Ray? Uh, he's still in the organization. He's still at AAA. He actually was just uh, outrighted to Nashville, meaning he was taken off the 40-man roster. They made that move the same day that they select the contract of uh, Jonathan Davis after the uh, Lorenzo Kane uh, DFA. Ray just hasn't performed. He just hasn't. This year at AAA, he is hitting 150 with two home runs and 16 RBIs in 28 games. Um, it's... It's a real bummer but because, man, he was a great story. Um, you felt like he was going to get to the big leagues and be a really big part of this team. It just hasn't gone well for him. And now it would be, now that he's not even on the 40-man roster, it seems unlikely that we would see him with the Brewers again, especially with some of these other young outfield prospects that certainly have uh, just whizzed right by him in terms of kind of that prospect status. Manager Craig Council spent some time uh, speaking with the media just a little while ago about uh, today's game. Talked about something that uh, Vinny Rotino and myself talked about earlier on this show, how uh, this series really uh, was largely led by a couple guys who hit a whole bunch of home runs in Hunter Renfro and Willie Adamas. I mean, I think this series has been like, you know, Hunter and Willie hitting some home runs, um, and, and those are, you know, pro- arguably two are big, their big power threats in the lineup, and, and, um, you know, it's it's fast runs, it's big runs, um, and um, in the middle of the lineup, there's been there's been some guys on the ba- base with them, so it's they've done a nice job. How crucial was it to get those last two innings, those quick innings from Hauser, um, just after kind of? Yeah, I mean, we look, board. we were, you know, he was in the fourth one hitter away, so he essentially got 
seven more outs um, than you know if one hit one more hitter reaches. So I, I thought he, you know, he had a tough fourth inning, um, and uh, but he kept it. You know, he kept it there. Uh, then he had two great innings. Um, and I, thought, I thought his sixth inning was excellent. Um, made some great pitches. Was aggressive. Kind of wanted wanted to finish that inning and uh, pitch like it. To go to Hobie there with the bases loaded is that just a sign of kind of how he's risen and the level of confidence that you guys have in him? With how effective he can be. Well, yeah. I mean, he's he's. He's pitching wonderfully. Um, I mean, our bullpen had a had a great series. Period. Uh, they were they were excellent. Um, and Hobie, it's it's a big at bat. It's a, it's a good hitter. The game's you know it's it's their spot to to you know grab grab make it a real game and make those guys make pressure pitches. And uh, he he threw a bunch of great pitches to Joey. The workload with him too. I mean, it's kind of stands yeah. out. Four outs yesterday, and then like you just are able to cope back to him today. How nice is that? Just. Well, yeah, it's, it's something. He 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 is a he is bouncing back great. Uh, it, it's something we always have to monitor. But um, you know, we we tried today to think about a spot where it could be small, um, and, and it, it it worked out really well there. Does his delivery help him with that? The recovery? Uh, it. I don't know. It mm-hmm. it does feel like it sometimes with the guys that throw. You know, underneath a little bit, recover a little better, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not I don't know. Yeah. Okay, there's still a long way to go, obviously. Softball, I mean, it makes you think of softball. I mean, I, yeah. but I don't want to make that analogy, really. So I don't think, I don't think <laughs> that's just did. I don't, well, I don't think it's fair. I mean, that's what, so just, that's, going, that's what you think going. of, but I don't, I don't, I don't think that's it. But I, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's pitcher to pitcher, really. You, uh, you, there's a long way to go, but but you've cleared now this three straight three city trips, which probably a lot of people circled on your schedule. Does it feel like you've you know cleared some some hurdle there? Um, I mean, I think look, we had a tough start to this trip and, and finished it really strong. I, I, I like that. Um, you know, we, we've, we're banged up still, especially on the pitching staff. Um, and, you know, we're, looks like we've got some guys coming back, so, so that's good. Um, but the schedule's the schedule, and it's always difficult. We've got a very difficult homestand with, some, with two good baseball teams, so there's no breaks in the schedule. Um, and uh, it, it always challenges you, but uh, obviously, if you go on three state, three straight, three city road trips somewhere down the line, you're going to have a bunch of home games. And it, 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 for us, it happens. I don't know. I don't even know when it happens, but it's going to happen at some point. That's Manager Craig Council speaking with the media. Six three Brewers get the win in Cincinnati. How does it all go down? We've got the highlights next here on WTMJ. Ready for this? Fly ball. This? Deep right. And this? Third deck. Holy smokes. Time for tonight's highlights. Here's Matt Pauley. 6-3. Brewers get the win over the Reds. They sweep the series. Starting pitching matchup today, Adrian Hauser on the mound for the Brewers, while Mike Miner makes the start for Cincinnati. 
in the bottom of the first inning, the Reds would get a couple runners on, but they would strand each of them. No scores. We head to the second inning, and the Brewers make a little bit of noise getting a couple runners on thanks to a walk and a hit by pitch. Two on, two out. Tyrone Taylor at the plate. It's going to take a clutch two-out hit here from Tyrone Taylor with two strikes against him. Miners pitch, and he went. John Tumpain says, I don't need help. You offered it that pitch. It was up and out of the zone, but Tyrone just could not quite check his swing. So two of the first three half innings result in two runners being left on between these two teams. In the bottom of the second inning, Mike Moustakis has a one-out base hit. It brings up Albert Almora, Jr. Hauser's 3-2 pitch. Ground ball to third. Glove by Urias to second for one. On to first in time. Matthias made a nice turn and a good dig on the back end of that play by Keston Hira. And the Brewers turn two and Hauser is through the bottom of the second inning. After a scoreless third, the Brewers break through in the fourth inning. The inning gets started with Andrew McCutcheon. 1-0 pitch. McCutcheon hits it high into left field. Backing up on it, Pham. Still back. Now onto the warning track. Reaching out for the wall. Leaping up. He can't catch it. It hits his glove at the apex of the jump, but he didn't hold on, and McCutcheon's into second base. First hit of the day for the Brewers with one out. Luis Urias is standing in. 1-1 pitch now. Swung on it. Line down the third base line. It's a fair ball just inside the chalk, and it kicks into the left field corner for Urias. McCutcheon coming on in to score. The end of second base goes Weicho with an RBI double to give the Brewers the lead here in the fourth. And then with two outs, Victor Caratini does this. High fly ball, Caratini's going to go deep into left field and have Pham turn around and watch it fly. See you later. Home run, Victor Caratini. And the Brewers are ahead 3-0 here in the fourth. But the Reds answer all three of those runs in the bottom of the fourth inning. Tommy Fan leads the inning off by walking. Then Joey Votto gets a base hit. Runners on at first and second for Kyle, excuse me, first and third for Kyle Farmer, who reaches on a fielder's choice. The run scores. Votto is out at second. That makes it 3-1. Nick Senzel then lines out, but Mike Moustakis walks. That pushes Farmer to second. Next hitter is Albert Almora Jr. The 1-0. Swinging a line, drive to left field, over goes McCutcheon into a dive, he cannot get it. Now it's passed him to the wall and it's going to score two. This game will be tied, McCutcheon picks it up, but around third, the trail runner Moustakis, no relay to the plate. Almora rips a two-run double. Yeah, Farmer and Moustakis scoring on the Almora double, it makes it a 3-3 game. Next half inning, top of the fifth inning, the Brewers do get two runners on, can't get either home. It remains a 3-3 contest as we go to the bottom of the fifth. So Adrian Hauser hadn't thrown a lot of strikes, but had gotten through the day mostly seamless until that fourth inning when he gives up three runs. How is he going to do in the next half inning in the fifth? Gets Brandon Drury to fly out, Tommy Pham to strike out, and brings up Joey Votto. 1-1. Votto, a high fly ball to right field. Fairly deep, but playable for Renfro. Two steps in front of the warning track. He's there to make the catch. And the inning is over. A much-needed 1-2-3 inning for Adrian Hauser. Yeah, good bounce-back inning from Hauser. So we go to the sixth inning, and the Brewers get back on the board. With one out, Keston Hira gets a base hit. The next hitter after that is Victor Caratini. The 1-1. Line drive into left. That's down for a base hit. Victor Caratini just keeps getting it done at the plate. Right now for the Brewers. Hira goes to second on the play. 
Runners at first and second for Tyrone Taylor, who walks. That loads the bases for Mark Mathias. Miner's first offering to Mathias is drilled out to left. Going back is Pham. He's going to have a play. Makes the catch. A couple of steps in front of the warning track, but this is going to give the Brewers the lead. 4-3 on the sacrifice fly, and the Brewers take the lead. In the seventh inning, new pitcher into the game for the Reds. That'll be Joel Cunell. Gets uh, Willie Adamas to ground out, but then a one-out base hit from Andrew McCutcheon brings up Hunter Renfro. A one pitch. Renfro hits it in the air in the left field. Backing up Pham, turning around, watching it sail up. Second deck. See you later. Three games in Cincinnati. Three home runs. Hunter Renfro. Then the Brewers tack on. It is 6-3 in the seventh inning. Have yourself a weekend, Hunter. Wow, and that was the deepest of the bunch. Big, big home run. A little breathing room there for the Brewers. 6-3 the score. We go to the bottom of the seventh inning. New pitcher is Trevor Kelly. He runs into a little bit of trouble. Hits uh, uh, Ramos Garcia with uh, one out. And then uh, Garcia would be out at second on a Jonathan India fielder's choice. Brandon Drury gets a base hit. That puts runners on at first and second. And then Tommy Pham puts down a bunt single to load the bases. That ends the day for Trevor Kelly. Hobie Milner comes on. He faces Joey Votto. India at third. Drury at second. Pham at first. He represents the tying run. One-two pitch. Swing and a miss. He got him with a curveball. Biting down and away from the left-handed hitter. Hobie, Hobie Milner does it again. Big moment for Hobie Milner as uh, that makes it or keeps it a 6-3 game. And we move along to the eighth inning. Brad Boxberger, the new pitcher for the Brewers in the bottom of the eighth inning. First batter he faces is Kyle Farmer. Here's a line drive into center. Coming on is Tyrone Taylor diving and making a tremendous catch for the first out of this inning. Boy, the Brewers played some outfield defense here in this series. Taylor coming on and not an easy play whatsoever. Now, a really nice play by Tyrone Taylor. The next hitter was Nick Senzel. He popped out to Willie Adamas. Adamas making an over-the-shoulder catch. That was pretty solid. So two tough defensive plays for the first two outs of the eighth. And then Mike Moustakis flies out. It's a 1-2-3 eighth inning for Brad Boxberger. And it brings on Devin Williams in the ninth. First battery faces Albert Almora Jr. He grounds out. Then the next hitter after that is pinch hitter Max Schrock. 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Three straight fastballs to Max Schrock. Devin Williams not messing around. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. So at that point, Williams had thrown six pitches. All six were strikes. He then gets India, Jonathan India, 0-2. So eight pitches, eight strikes, 0-2 count on Jonathan India. The 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out, and this ball game is over. Williams went to the airbender, got the swing and the miss from India. Brewers get the win, and with the W, they go to 38 and 30. The Reds drop to 23 and 43. Winning totals for the crew: six runs, eight hits, no errors. They leave nine for the Reds. Three hits, six errors, no errors. Uh, th excuse me, three runs, six hits, no errors. They leave seven. Winning pitcher Adrian Hauser, he's four and seven. Mike Miner, the loss, he is four and three. Devin Williams, the save, is fifth of the year. Home runs, Victor Caratini, his fifth. Hunter Renfro, his 13th. The game lasting three hours and six minutes. Played in front of a crowd of 25,001 at Great American Ballpark. 
6-3 the final score. When we come back, we'll preview the big St. Louis series. We'll get you some scores from around baseball, and we'll call it a night. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. This is Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. Starting to wrap things up here on Brewers Extra Innings. Brewers get the win 6-3 over the Reds. They win the series. They sweep the series. A text message, 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk text line from Deb in West Allis asking what OPS means. And uh, goes on to say, when uh, OTC became the nickname for the optional training camp, it took me several years to figure out what that meant. When you guys make up a new nickname for something, you need to tell us what it means on a regular basis until it's known. Uh, Deb, I appreciate the frustration of not knowing what OPS means. Uh, it is not anything that's new, and it's not something that we created a nickname for. The difference is it is the way baseball teams are largely evaluating players now. OPS is simply taking a player's on-base percentage and their slugging percentage and adding the two together. So when you evaluate an offensive baseball player, you're evaluating them on two things, their ability to get on base, whether it's getting on base by getting a hit, by getting a walk, whatever it might mean, and you also evaluate them on their ability to cause damage, to get extra bases, to get doubles, triples, home runs. So that's where slugging percentage comes in. So the OPS is a very simple way. It's a statistic that can uh, both put into effect uh, the, a player's ability to get on base and the player's ability to hit for extra bases when they're there. So if you go to a game at American Family Field, when you see the player's names next to their name, it says OPS. It does not say average. It says OPS, and that is something that the Brewers did a number of years ago to try to help fans understand the way that they are evaluating players. They use OPS. It's a much better tool than, say, batting average because batting average doesn't tell a story so much. Uh, it at least doesn't tell a, as complete of a story as OPS does. So, Deb, I, I sense frustration in your text message. Uh, we did not make up a new nickname for anything. I think you're a little off base when you say that. We did not make up a new nickname. OPS has existed for a really, really long time. It's just something that is more readily used now uh, in evaluating players. Around the NL Central today, the Cardinals lose to the Red Sox by a 6-4 score. So the Brewers and the Cardinals are now even atop the NL Central. Pirates lose to the Giants. Check that. Pirates beat the Giants by a 4-3 score, and the Cubs get blanked by the Braves 6-0. Around the Brewers minor league system, Low A Carolina playing at Columbia today. They're in the top of the fifth inning. Carolina has a 6-0 lead. High A Wisconsin, they lose at Great Lakes 3-2. Double A Biloxi, they lose in 10 innings at Chattanooga by a 7-6 score. And Triple A Nashville, despite scoring one run in the top of the ninth inning, they end up losing in Memphis. 7-6 was the final. We're going to have a fun next four days at American Family Field. That is for sure. Brewers and Cardinals in a four-game set with these two teams with the exact same 38-30 and 30 record going into this four-game series. Uh, the pitchers this weekend, or this week, I should say, for the Brewers over the four games, Corbin Burns, Aaron Ashby, Eric Lauer, and Jason Alexander. 
Burns will be opposed by Miles Michaelis in the opener tomorrow. Then Jack Flaherty against Ashby on Tuesday. Adam Wainwright against Lauer on Wednesday. And Dakota Hudson will start for St. Louis against Alexander coming up on Thursday. But for tomorrow's matchup, right-hand pitcher Corbin Burns, 4-4, four four, a 2.52 ERA. Miles Michaelis will make the start for St. Louis. The right-hander comes in with a 5-4 and four record and a 2.62 ERA. 7-10 first pitch, 6.35 for network coverage. Brewers warm up tomorrow at 6 o'clock. And then I will be with you immediately following the game for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings right here on WTMJ.